Hey guys, welcome to Precision Nutrition's Eat, Move, and Live Better podcast. I'm Dr. John Berardi, co-founder of Precision Nutrition, and if you're not familiar with us, over the last 15 years, we've become the world's largest online nutrition, fitness, and health coaching company. Through that time, as you can imagine, we've watched fad diets and fitness crazes come and go. But when the fads have failed and the crazes died out and people just want something that works, they turn to Precision Nutrition for things like expert coaching, guided mentorship, and online support. In this podcast, which is a mix of recorded articles, interviews, and roundtable discussions, myself and my Precision Nutrition colleagues will help make the whole nutrition, fitness, and health process work for you. Ideally, you'll discover that eating, moving, and living well can be easy and enjoyable for now and into the future. So let's get started. Hey everyone, it's Bryce from Precision Nutrition, and today I'm reading the article, Sitting, Standing, or Walking, What's the Best Way to Work? by M.C. Schrafel. Okay, we sit to commute, sit at our computers, sit at meetings, relax by sitting at home. In North America, most adults sit for about 9.3 hours, and that's bad news for our health. When we sit for long periods, circulation is constricted, metabolism slows, muscles shut off, connective tissue tightens. Our brain hungers for blood and nutrients that are barely slugging through our system. Our body engine is set to idle, neutral, or even worse, switched off. Sitting too much makes us unhealthier, unfitter, more metabolically broken, possibly even dumber. Ha, you think, I work out, I'm safe. Well, think again. If you work out for an hour a day, but sit for the remainder, that one hour doesn't do much to counter the nine plus hours of button chair. Just like running an hour doesn't give you a free pass to smoke. The bottom line, there is nothing good about prolonged chronic sitting. So what can you do? Well, throughout the health and ergonomic world, Experts have proposed things like sitting on an exercise ball rather than a chair, working at a standing desk rather than sitting, using a treadmill while working at a standing desk, and breaking up sitting with movement at regular intervals. These all sound good, but do any of them actually make a difference? Let's take a look. Beginning with the quest for a better chair. Now, the biggest problem with sitting down all day, it's uncomfortable. Sore backs, stiff necks, aching shoulders, throbbing knees. In fact, the prolonged contact between femur and patella that can cause chronic knee pain is often called moviegoer's knee. And of course, if we're at a computer, we slouch. Lean in further towards the screen, round our shoulders forward, crane our necks, squint, tense our facial muscles, and like the loyal suspension bridges they are, our backs try to compensate valiantly. In as little as an hour of sitting, our backs can measurably stiffen. And men suffer slightly more than women who are typically a bit more flexible. Now, not surprisingly, designers have tried to build a better chair. And over the last decade, researchers have compared the various options. One common alternative to the standard office chair is the exercise ball. Now, the theory behind the exercise ball chair is that the unstable surface will keep the back muscles working. And this is assumed to be a good thing. Turns out, not so much. First of all, studies show that spinal compression and muscular activation is pretty much identical, whether using a chair or using a ball as a seat. In fact, the greater contact area of the ball compared to a chair might encourage more soft tissue compression, which can mean more discomfort, soreness, and numbness. 
Related work looking at muscle activation in the rest of the body found that subjects moved their trunks more on the ball than the chair, yet they also experienced more spinal shrinkage, discs being compressed, and more trapezius activation, upper back and neck stiffening. These drawbacks may outweigh any potential benefits. Okay, so the exercise ball may not be such a great idea, but balls aren't the only kind of dynamic chairs on the market. For instance, some office chairs allow the seat pan to move as the back tilts. So how do these stack up? Well, in looking at three of these kinds of chairs compared with a typical static office chair, one study showed that the real issue doesn't seem to be how the chair affects muscle activation, but rather how different kinds of tasks affect activation. In other words, the sliding seat pan doesn't make a whole lot of difference. Okay, now you might be thinking, what about those funky looking kneeling chairs? While there's not a lot of research on this particular type of chair, there was one paper that considered what type of chair maintains a proper lumbar curve. Unfortunately, the study only looked at posture comparisons between standing and sitting using a chair or a kneeling chair. No tasks were assessed, no muscle activation checked, no spinal shrinkage measured. So in the end, it doesn't really tell us much. Now another study looked at self-induced movements in kneeling versus regular chairs. It showed that on the kneeling chair, the lower body is turned off when prepping for movements, which may actually reduce balance and function. So what can you take away from all this? Well, the bottom line for your bottom and back is task awareness. The best option when you have to sit is to sit on something that reduces pressure on the body, reduces points of contact with soft tissue, reduces tension, and reduces the stress of tasks like typing or writing, or reading or filing or even phoning. No matter what we're sitting in or on, within a short time the negative effects of sitting are gonna bite us in the bum. Balls and kneelers don't seem to be better. In fact, in some ways, they might be worse than well-designed chairs. But even with well-designed chairs, our bodies have different needs with different tasks, and we need to respond effectively to those tasks. We'll come back to that in a moment. But first, let's talk about how sitting may affect metabolism. When it comes to muscle activation, spinal shape, and spinal compression, all chairs are pretty much equal, with small trade-offs between them. But how does sitting affect metabolism? Here's a key point. Uninterrupted sedentary time is strongly associated with cardiometabolic and inflammatory risk biomarkers, regardless of age, gender, or ethnicity. In other words, Sitting sucks for everyone, and if we sat less, we would be leaner, healthier people. In fact, a study that looked at 105 full-time office workers showed that those who sat longer were about three times as likely to have a waist circumference larger than 37 inches for men or 31 inches for women. Waist circumference, as you probably know, is strongly associated with cardiometabolic risk. These same workers were also nine times more likely to have a BMI greater than 30, which in technical terms would make them obese. Meanwhile, another study showed that each additional hour of sitting led to larger waist circumferences, as well as higher insulin and lower HDL cholesterol. Not good. In fact, the evidence against prolonged sitting is so strong that one paper asked if chronic sitting in itself ought to be considered a distinct coronary heart disease risk factor. And that's putting prolonged sitting in the same category as smoking. Given these correlations, the comparison may not be surprising. 
Now, you may be wondering, if sitting sucks, regardless of the throne we choose, is standing any better? One study suggests that computer users who spend as little as one hour a day on their feet at work have less back pain. Interestingly, data entry speed went down when standing, but not by a lot. By the way, these tests were performed with people who had not practiced standing desk work. With practice, they probably get better at it. So, when it comes to aches and pains, standing may be a good alternative to sitting. But will people actually use the option to stand if it's available? Well, yes, appears they will. A Swedish call center with over 100 employees adopted sit-stand desks and found that people stood more and sat less. A recently reported Australian study explored the same issue. With electronically or manually adjustable sit-stand desks available, sitting time at work went from 85% at the start to 60% by the time the study ended. Equally interesting, participants were motivated to give the desks a try either because of their own dodgy backs or because they'd heard they could burn more calories standing up. Other studies have looked at the effects of sit-stand desks on metabolic markers of health and disease and found that short bouts of light to moderate intensity walking lowered post-meal glucose and insulin levels in overweight and obese adults. Now, granted, these studies considered movement versus sitting rather than standing versus sitting. But standing, it turns out, can be a pretty good substitute for and complement to movement. So the net takeaway here is that whether standing or walking, what's most important is reducing overall sitting time. Standing burns about 1.36 kcals per minute more than sitting. That's more than 60 calories an hour. Multiplied by 8, the hours in a typical workday, and you're talking about 500 calories or more a day. Big difference. If you're looking to lose weight or simply stay lean, get out of your chair ASAP. Now, if standing is good and walking is good, what about combining them in a walking desk? Great idea. Standing takes more energy than sitting, and walking takes more energy than standing. It sounds like a slam dunk. Walk all day at work, lose weight, reduce musculoskeletal pain, and improve metabolic function? Bingo! But hang on, is anyone actually able to get any work done with these walking desks? After all, there's a reason most of us sit on the job. Our work requires sustained attention to detail, analytical focus, creativity, innovation, or discovery. Is any of that possible with a moving desk? Time to sit down and think it over. In other words, before we all get carried away and sink our hard-earned dollars into standing or walking desks in an effort to save our backs or boost our metabolism, we also need to consider another critical variable, cognitive performance. Humans do tend to do finer work sitting down, and this has been true for thousands of years. It's hard to imagine the creators of cuneiform tablets breezily jotting down their little notches in clay while at a brisk trot. So if we're going to do some heavy-duty thinking, reading, or writing, is it better to sit? It appears so. In our own research, we looked at whether people perform better cognitively when seated or when standing. We wanted to understand whether the indisputable metabolic benefits of standing might also apply to the cognitive realm. Alas, the answer appears to be no. On the positive side, there was little statistical difference in cognitive performance between standing and sitting. In other words, if you feel better standing rather than sitting, it won't hurt your brain power a whole lot if you decide to stand. However, there was one important exception. Those who need to multitask do better when they are seated. And to that end, we'd now like to test a responsive sit-stand desk 
one that could detect multitasking and gently descend to help people achieve a better position for this work, but this research remains in the future. As for the walking desk, it seems those metabolic benefits come with a cognitive cost, and the cost goes up as the level of mental challenge increases. In other words, the tougher the task, the more mistakes you'll make if you're trying to perform it on a walking desk. Now, this result isn't entirely surprising. Work on walking and task performance consistently shows that participants slow down and finally halt, sitting down to work out problems as the challenge increases. So in the interest of working smart, should you just forget about the walking desk and go back to slumping over your screen? Not so fast. Because even if walking desks can interfere with task performance on the job, movement itself is hugely beneficial to overall cognitive function. Cognitive research shows that people who are regularly active perform better throughout their lives than their peers who don't. And it's never too late to start a movement practice. More and more studies are demonstrating that even short spurts of exercise, say 20 minutes long, improve cognitive performance immediately afterwards in people of all ages. In other words, exercise first, then go be smart, rather than try to walk and solve equations at the same time. Movement is also critical for another part of our well-being, our vision. For most of us, vision is the primary way we experience the world. Unfortunately, myopia, or nearsightedness, has been increasing globally. While there is some debate about the causes, lower visual acuity seems connected to more screen time. Screen work focuses our eye muscles in a particular position for long periods, while preventing them from focusing at other distances, as they're designed to do. In other words, Myopia may be a kind of repetitive strain injury of the eyes. And of course, when we don't see well, we don't perform well. These cognitive and physical effects have been studied extensively in sports. We're just starting to apply that research to the realm of knowledge work. Just as movement throughout our day can aid in clearer thinking and reduce the strain on our musculoskeletal and metabolic systems, it might also reduce visual strain inherent in seated, static posture computer work. Fundamentally, Research on physical well-being and cognitive performance all comes back to this. Movement is good for us, for everything about us, and lack of movement leads to disease. Sitting all day is just bad for us as human beings. A ball chair or a better chair or a stand-up desk are all better than nothing, but let's push this a step further. Let's look for different ways of working that will let us perform at our best. Let's move more often throughout our days. Let the juices flow, and then sit briefly when it suits us, perhaps for contemplation or deep concentration. Now, if you happen to be a seated worker listening to this, don't get discouraged. Just get imaginative and strategic. Think, how can I make this task more active? Look for options and small, simple changes. You probably have more possibilities than you realize. Sneak what Frank from Exuberant Animal calls a movement snack. Go on errands. Use the bathroom one floor up. Pop over to another building to get something or meet someone. Try brainstorm or planning standing up. Use a whiteboard or a flip chart instead of a pen and paper. Or spread some sheets of paper out on the floor and squat down to organize them. And sit when it's best to sit. Move when it's best to move. Figure out how to make rote tasks more active and how to make intensely cognitive tasks more focused. You can experiment to find out what works for you. And remember that combining movement with work improves with practice. So don't leap on your treadmill desk at 4 miles per hour and try to knock out your PhD thesis. Just try standing up for a little while at first. 
and take regular movement breaks. Set a timer if you have to. Every hour, stand up, stretch, walk around for a few minutes. And you can allude vaguely to a smoking habit or back injury and get your coworkers accustomed to you popping out for some fresh air or standing up in meetings. You can easily lean unobtrusively against a wall. And hey, why not have walking meetings? Outside, if possible. Your coworkers will probably appreciate the break too. And there's always the tried and true walk and talk. When you take a phone call, stand up or go for a stroll. Try a dictation app on your smartphone for jotting down notes. Many apps will even transcribe your speech. Basic accessibility features on most computers and smartphones will read your screen to you. So why not listen to your email while out for a brisk constitutional? And don't be afraid to ask for better. Many workplaces offer options for healthier work, but employees just don't ask for them. So start asking. Employers understand cost-cutting, and healthier employees definitely save money. A few hundred dollars on a treadmill desk could save thousands in physio costs later. Okay, here's the bottom line to all this. Improving ergonomics with better chairs or workstations is a great start and an easy way to make a small, immediate, manageable change. But simply adapting ourselves to how we think work should get done isn't enough. We need to go further for our own health. For optimal human performance along with creativity, innovation, and quality of life, we need to adapt the environment to our actual needs. And humans need to move. So let's get going. This has been Bryce from Precision Nutrition, reading today's article, Sitting, Standing, or Walking, What's the Best Way to Work? by M.C. Schrafel. You can read the article online yourself and find links to related references and resources at precisionnutrition.com forward slash sitting dash standing dash walking dash work. Have a great day, everyone, and get moving. Okay, everyone, that's it for this week's edition of Precision Nutrition's Eat, Move, and Live Better podcast. For more information about how to eat, move, and live better yourself, and for some awesome free nutrition and health resources, come visit us on the web at www.precisionnutrition.com. You could also visit us on Facebook or on Twitter at InsidePN. Talk to you next time.